Welcome to the Men and Hoodies podcast, where we take you on an excursion through everything in the sports world. Trending news, hot conversations, heated debates, and unlike shows such as First Take and Undisputed, things that you, the listeners, actually want to hear. Let's now go to your hosts, Brent Lyons, Roman Cleary, and Jake Stoop. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the Men and Hoodies podcast. I'm your host, Jake Stoop, alongside Roman Cleary and Brent Lyons. If you have not already, go check out last week's show with our first guest, Jack Glenn. And if you want to be a guest on the podcast, go check out Brent's Instagram to fill out a survey so that we know that you want to be a part of the show. Today, we will cover the drama with Kevin Durant, what's new, highlights from the NFL seat preseason, and finally, we will analyze the final division, the AFC West. Now, before we get into all that, let's start out the episode with a fun question. All right, this is going to be new, something new we do, hopefully, so let's see how it goes. Are you all cool with that? Yeah, of course. All right, let's get it. Roman, you can answer first. What makes you angry? What in this world, like, ruffles your, what ruffles your feathers? What's one thing that really just hits you differently? Okay, so there are a lot of things that you can say make me angry in general. Like, you know, dumb sports fans, like, say, fans of the Cleveland Browns or the Baltimore Ravens make me <laughs> bad coaching, such as challenging a touchdown in the middle of the preseason makes me angry. But the one thing that... I guess ruffles my feathers more than anything has nothing to do with sports, nothing to do with what we do here or any of that whatsoever. The thing that probably makes me more angry than anything, my ultimate pet peeve is when people call me Ronan or Roland. I don't know why, but it's such a massive, you know, thing for me. I, you, you can't even, I can't even tell you how many times I've been called like Ronan clearly. Or something like that. And yeah, and, and that's another thing. People get Cleary wrong all the time. Like, it's literally, like, how do you see an, a, the L at the end of there? It, there's nothing about, there's nothing that indicates that an L should be sounded at the end of my last name. And yet people do it over and over and over again. Ronan, Ronan clearly about it. Or Ronan clearly or whatever. No. Roman Cleary. It's not that hard. I mean, dang. Angry thinking about it. <laughs> That's awesome. He got so mad thinking about it. <laughs> That's amazing. Brett, what okay. you got? Okay, so mine, I'm going to say three things just because I thought of all three of them and I thought that I should mention all three because I feel like it relates to some people. So the first one is like, you ever like get out of the shower and you have like a towel hanger and the towel just falls off right when you put it down. Like it doesn't, yes. it, it makes me mad when it doesn't stay up. Like I walk away from it and I come back and it's immediately on the floor and I have to put it back up and hope that it stays there. I, that's one thing that makes so much me work. mad. Yeah. And then the second thing is like when you're driving and the red and all the red lights hit you, like you hit back to back red lights. Like, you know, I, I've, I've got it down to a science to where I know if I'm going to hit a red light or if I'm going to get to keep going. Like, if I see, like, if I'm driving by and I hit a yellow, I know the next one's going to be red, and then everything after that's going to be red. But it still makes me mad because every, t like, I'll, I'll be, like, listening to music or something, and I'll be vibing or whatever, and then I'll just hit a red light, and I'll have to sit there. And then I'll hit a red light, and I have to sit there. And it makes me mad. And then the last thing, and this might be one of the big ones, you ever go through the grocery store, and you have a cart or whatever, and someone will just put their cart in the middle, or they won't use the cart as if you're driving in the middle of the, like, you're driving. Like you're on the right side. The other person is on their right side. You're not in the middle of the road or the middle of the aisle, or you're not 
on the other side, you stay on the side that you're supposed to be on. It's like driving a car. You don't, mm-hmm. it, it's not, it's not your first time driving and it's not your first time shopping. Get to the side of the aisle. I don't get why you can't just get to the side <laughs> of the aisle. It, I, it just reminds me of driving like you're a 50 year old man. You've been driving for 36 years. How do you not understand you're on your right side and I'm on my right side and I'm going to go down the aisle and so are you. There's, why do you have to put your car in the middle of the aisle? Like I the same thing happens in school hallways all the time. Dude, no one yeah, knows, yes. exactly. No one if knows ever, how to handle themselves in a school hallway. It's ridiculous. If you just walk down the hallway like you were driving a car, you the right side. It would go so much smoother. I hate it when someone like comes through the middle of me trying to walk down the hallway because they can't just like and it's like when you if you have to go into a classroom that's on the left, it's like you're taking a left-hand turn. You wait until there's nobody coming, and then you turn to the left into your classroom. It's not that hard. I don't get. I just don't get it. No, I'm with you on that one, uh, and I think everyone will be with me on this one. Mine has to be consistent spray tans. I hate them. They're so uh, annoying. When when girls get them over and over and over again, especially when they're like level eight, nine, ten, I absolutely uh, hate it. Like it doesn't it doesn't make you look good. Like, just go natural skin color and you'll be fine. Like, it doesn't help you look more attractive. Anything, it just, I agree. you know, tells yeah. everybody else that you're spending money trying to look good and it's not really working. So, yeah, yeah, I, some, I agree. Yeah, Some of those tans make the make women look burnt to a crisp. It's like. <laughs> or Oompa Loompas. I, I totally I, agree. I'm, I'm not trying to be rude to anyone that may be listening to this, but, I mean, this, Jake was the one that brought this up, not me. So, blame him. <laughs> but, I don't know. I, I, I can see that, No. Ooh, yeah, it just, or, I'm just like, why? Or when you're, when you, you know, like sometimes like you'll be eating a burrito and you'll take a bite out of the burrito and the other end will fall out. Or like you're eating okay, a sandwich yes. and the other end of the sandwich falls out. That makes me so mad. Yep. Like, like Same how here. can you not, like if I'm eating at a Mexican restaurant and I order a burrito, it's your job to make sure that my burrito stays together. I want to pick up that burrito and eat it and not have to worry about the other end of my food falling out. And I'll, I'll eat this sandwich, and all the meat will fall out the bottom of it when I'm trying to eat it because they didn't fold it right. Ugh. Yep. Roman, I know you've had your Taco Bell controversy, and uh, they do that all the time to me. Oh, it's either, like, no. completely not in there or it's, like, filled to the crisp, and you it def- definitely spills. You can't do anything about it. Yeah, no. Ooh. no. There is no saving a Taco Bell taco. No saving. <laughs> Chewing with your mouth open Facts. is bad, too. Yeah. Yep, so those are our uh, pet peeves. Let us know what you have. But, uh, yeah, let's get into the sports talk. Kevin Durant recently had a meeting with Nets Governor Joe Sy to discuss Durant's current feelings toward the organization. The Nets have sat idly for, for two months now since his initial trade request. So Durant proceeded to say that the Nets organization needs to either fire at Nets head coach Steve Nash and Nets GM Sean Marks or trade him. So as of right now, Katie is alluding to the fact that he might not be stepping on the court this season if the current situation remains. Boys, the KD shenanigans continue, and the more they continue, the more we'll have to talk about it. Ronan, first off, what do you think of the way Durant is handling this dispute? Oh, that was terrible. Well, Ronan would love it, probably, because guys named Ronan love everything bothersome and annoying and all that sort of stuff. But uh, what I think, um, what Roman thinks, I should say, it's just nonsensical from Kevin Durant. How much do you expect out of a franchise, especially a franchise that has already fired one coach for you, a, a franchise that 
gave you the opportunity to build your own super team to prove everybody wrong, to say that you didn't get carried to a championship. And now a franchise that has recently given you a 400, 200, uh, I mean, a, a four year, like almost $200 million contract. Like how much more can you ask of an organization? Um, this is very unfair from Kevin Durant. I think it's very childish. And the fact that he expects the Nets to do this, which I don't think they will and they shouldn't. And I'll get into the reasons why later on. But I mean, to, for Kevin Durant to expect the Nets to do this, to just flat out make this demand, I just think it's very, very dumb of him to do. So, I mean, Kevin Durant, as we all know, is a very sensitive individual. Um, he, do, he doesn't um, remain very happy when things aren't going exactly the way that he wants. He demands, you know, teammates to be gone all the time. He demands, he demands coaches to be gone all the time. He's now gone as far to request his own trade out of Brooklyn, which um, is pretty much impossible to do since what the Nets want for Kevin Durant is pretty much impossible for any NBA team to pull off. And I'm not saying that Kevin Durant isn't worth what the Nets are asking for, but, you know, other teams can't, you know, tear apart their own team to get, you know, a, a player, an elite player at that, but a player in his mid-30s on that high of a contract. So for Kevin Durant to just flat out expect the, net, the Nets to do this, it's just, you know, pretty crazy and, once again, nonsensical. So let's let's go on a journey of Kevin Durant's career in the NBA. He started out with the greatest franchise that needs to be brought back, the Seattle Supersonics, and quickly was taken uh, with the entire team to the Oklahoma City Thunder, where the super team was drafted that nobody knew about yet, that all these players should become amazing later in their primes, but not really on the same team. Uh, They made it to the finals uh, as a very, very young team, and it kind of all fizzled from there. Players went their separate ways, and eventually so did Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant decided to sign with the Golden State Warriors. Um, People called him a snake. People called him a traitor. But, you know, uh, Kevin Durant didn't mind because he knew what he wanted to do. Um, in the following seasons with the Warriors, he proceeded to win two championships, two championships back to back, as well as the Finals MVP in both of those. While Tennis Finals, all three times, all three seasons, he was there, losing the, to the Toronto Raptors, and the last one because of injuries to the entire team, pretty much. After that, he leaves. He decides that he wants to leave Golden State um, to prove to everybody, like Roman said, that he does not need he did not get carried by Curry and the rest of the Warriors crew to two championships and that he can do it with a team on his own in a sense, meaning the team that he creates. So him and Kyrie Irving decide to team up and choose a team that they want to go to. They had many, many options, but for some reason they chose, they chose the Brooklyn Nets. So Brooklyn, Oh, sorry. Kevin Durant's hurt at this time anyway. So he's not really going to play Kyrie's kind of off and on. First season doesn't go amazing, but, you know, you have hope because KD and Kyrie really didn't play the whole year, and there were some issues there. Then they get this, what is supposed to be whole first season that is just kind of stirred up with drama and stupidity. And I, what was the record that Kyrie and KD had on the court together, like 8-11 and 11 over the span of two seasons? No, it's, or, like, really good, but they've never been on the court together. But so. it's, it's, less than, it's, like, less than 20 games. It's, like, they haven't played together yeah. for, like, 20 oh, okay, okay, gotcha. 
that was the, the point I'm making is that the suit it, it failed pretty much. They got James Harden to come over. Uh, James Harden didn't work out, so James Harden left. Um, they have kind of blown up this team that had a lot of potential because trying to keep intact Katie's reputation, trying to keep intact Katie's legacy in a sense, while also dealing with Kyrie Irving's legacy and Kyrie Irving as well, which is just something that is pretty much impossible to do when you're dealing with human people and dramatic human people as well. Um, So I think when it comes to the shenanigans that are presented before us at this very moment in which Katie and Kyrie both want to be traded out two top 10 players in the league when they're at their best, I think we can agree that when they're both at their best, they're both two top 10 players in the league. Um, And trying to deal out in a way that the Nets are still the organization that they thought they would be with Kyrie and Katie James Harden on the team, but find a way to satisfy everyone to where they're not dealing with two superstar players sitting out the entire season and still having to pay the money. So they have dug the nets in this hole that is pretty much impossible to get them out of. And on top of that, they're threatening not to play. And on top of that, they are taking shots at their teammates. Like Kyrie has said that he doesn't want to play with KD due to recent drama. So pretty any way that this goes, you're either going to get Kyrie playing and KD not, KD playing, or both of them are going to get traded out for less than what they want. And And the Nets are going to be left with like pretty much garbage compared to what they had because the Nets, because KD didn't like the situation that he put himself in and now wants out of it. So overall, I think that my, my overall thought on this going after going through his entire career, because I thought that it'd be fun is um, that KD has this coming. He's a great player. I love him. He's uh, one of the top 75 players of all time. Obviously he's had an incredible career, but I think that, Eventually, um, the things that you do catch up to you. And uh, he tried so hard to prove to people that he wasn't, that he was the reason that Golden State won, that he kind of, in a sense, put them on their back and that, oh, I can go anywhere and do this myself as well, which then he went and got Kevin, when he, then he went and got Kyrie Irving and James Harden. So he didn't really do it by himself anyway, even if they would have won something at least. Kind of dug himself in this hole of, I'm whiny. If I don't get what I want, I'm going to leave and I'm going to leave your organization in shambles. Pretty much. I'm going to make you do whatever I want. And on top of that, I'm not going to play basketball if you don't do what I want. So you're going to sit with me, my four year, $200 million pretty much contract um, and watch me tear your organization from the inside to the ground. And then I'm going to ask for a trade because I'm not really happy in Brooklyn anymore. So overall, I think Katie had this coming to him. Bottom line. The Nets have done everything for Kevin Durant. He needs to learn that he's not in charge and he can't call the shots. Um, you said something in there about how Kevin Durant thought that you know, without him, the Warriors wouldn't have won, which I kind of agree with, But except for 2015. But 2016, 2017, or whatever it was, I think that he's right about that. But regardless, he shouldn't be acting this way. Next question, I'll answer this first. How should the Nets respond to this? For me, I think the Nets should trade him. You're going to have to just get rid of him. He's under contract for through the 2025, 2026 season. And he's threatening not to play, (laughs) but for the nets, you you cannot afford to hold on to a guy making just less than $50 million a year. And I've seen that the nets originally wanted Tatum and Brown from the Celtics. Like, come on, lower your asking price and settle. Because if you don't, every team's asking price is going to get way lower than it was originally because they know that you have to get rid of them. But, you know, overall, KD sucks for this. But if you're the Nets, 
time is running out and there's not much you can do. They've got to find a way to get rid of them. Settle for something because if you don't, it's going to get in trouble really fast. The Nets don't have to do anything, and I don't think they should do anything. If Kevin Durant voluntarily sits out, I don't think they're going to have to pay salary. The NBA is going to react to that, especially considering that Kevin Durant is one of their star athletes. The, the Nets need to set an example that Kevin Durant has no control whatsoever over their franchise. He has no control whatsoever over what they do. So they need to do the only thing that they can do, in my opinion. And that's nothing. Don't satisfy his trade demands because that's what what's that going to do for you? Nothing. Kevin Durant won't learn any lesson from that. And I don't well, why does it matter to the Nets, though? Why don't they just get rid of him and forget this whole thing? Be- because, like, they don't, because Kevin Durant signed that contract with the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets need to teach him that, you know, he needs to uphold that or at least attempt to. And besides, I mean, Kyrie Irving, I don't understand why he's really a factor in this because Kyrie Irving is going to have to play no matter what happens. This is a contract year for him. And he has to show out if he wants to get the extension that he really wants. So, yeah, Kyrie is going to have to play no matter what. So he's not much of a factor in this, at least for me. This is all about Kevin Durant and handling him. And I think the best thing to do is, you know, don't trade him and see what happens. If he plays, great. If he doesn't, the NBA, in my opinion, will not make the Nets pay that salary because the Nets should not have to do that. It's Kevin Durant. That's voluntarily sitting out. The Nets are not, you know, asking Kevin Durant to not play. The Nets are, by all accounts, welcoming Kevin Durant back with open arms. Kevin Durant is the one that is making the active choice to not play. And as a result, the NBA will not make the Nets pay that salary. I mean, they had had to – Ben Simmons, they had to pay his contract. They just fined him every couple months, you know? I I mean, I think it's possible. Well, what else? Well, then, then, then that's going to just find him over and over again and just make that salary yeah. back, essentially. But ultimately, Whatever. they had to trade Simmons. They had to get rid of him because he's not going to play. So what do you do? You trade him on the forefront so you don't have to get limited options in the future. And honestly, that's what I think. I don't, I don't know if Kevin Durant is actually going to sit out. I'm skeptical of that. I, I just think this whole drama is drawn out in a descent by Durant to get what he wants. But again, Kevin Durant, by is in my opinion, is a soft human being. And I think that once he learns his lesson, I don't think Durant's going to sit out the whole season. I think he'll be back eventually if the Nets elect not to trade him. If you have to do like a midseason deal, then go ahead and do it. But I don't think you should trade him, at least not now, because I don't think that would be very productive. Roman, I agree with everything you say, I, but I do think that, and Brendan Jennings said this, uh, he put, said something on Twitter about it, how this is like there's not many people that love the game of basketball very much anymore and it's ironic that he said that katie loves the game of basketball and it's one of his favorite players but in that he said that it's a player's league now and the players can pretty much get whatever they want and that it's not really great for the game and i agree i i I agree with what you're saying but i think ultimately um and it comes back to his point it is a player's league and they can pretty much get whatever they want and at the same time the nba goes for drama so the drama of Kevin Durant and the trade rumors and wanting to be out makes the NBA money ultimately. And so they could say, oh, you don't have to pay his contract. Or they could say, 
we're going to make you trade him and we're, or we're going to make you pay his salary because that just stirs up more drama and it makes us more money. Because either you're going to trade him to a team and now you're going to get revenue from the new team because Kevin Durant's there now, or you're going to stir up drama about KD not playing and still having to pay his salary. And eventually the Nets are going to give in or KD, something like that's going to happen. And either way, the NBA makes money. And on top of that, it's a player's league and the player gets whatever he wants now, which has really dug themselves in a hole with that one, which is a whole different conversation. But I agree with you, but I think that it's going to end up going the player's way no matter just because of the way the NBA set themselves up and what they will do to make themselves money. The timing of this is also a big factor in why I'm saying what I'm saying. Like, say that this happened, like, immediately after the season is over. Like, say that Kevin Durant, like, demanded for Steve Nash and Sean Marks to, you know, be fired immediately after. I would have gone ahead and done it because you have plenty of time and there's plenty of other guys out there to replace Steve Nash and Sean Marks, respectively. But you don't have that time anymore. You don't have all those great options out there anymore. So you have to keep Steve Nash and Sean Marks unless you want your entire franchise to fall, fall apart. And is Kevin Durant really worth the Brooklyn Nets franchise? To me, that answer is no. Well, why do you why do you say that if your main point is for Durant to learn his lesson? If that's your ultimate goal, then Kevin, doing because, that a while ago wouldn't have mattered. Because Kevin Durant is still your most valuable asset. And you should do whatever you can to keep him, in my opinion. But I don't think you can fire Steve Nash and Sean Marks because you have no one out there to no one adequate. I think they should just this is gonna go on for a while. If Kevin Durant's as persistent as Ben Simmons was. We're going to see Kevin Durant trade rumors for the next year. And I would rather the Nets just quit this experiment, hold on to Kyrie Irving, help him develop young talent that you get in return. I know Toronto is asking prices there. You could potentially try to get Scotty Barnes from there, Pascal Siakam, somebody from there, and pair them up with Kyrie and Ben Simmons. Because at this point, I think they should just give up. And it's a player's league, like Brent said. Roman, if this was a perfect league, I would entirely agree with you. Hold on to Kevin Durant, make his le- make his lesson known, make sure that he knows that he can't control an organization. But bottom line is, if a guy doesn't want to be there, if a guy is asking for two of the highest guys in a in a uh, management society or whatever it is, then I don't understand why you keep him. I mean, he doesn't even want to be there in the first place. And the Nets can be good without Kevin Durant anyway. Like, it's not like – like, if they sit out Kevin Durant, sure, they won't be as great as they could be, but Ben Simmons and – uh, Kyrie Irving is by no means a terrible team and they have some other pieces around him especially if you trade Kevin Durant to the Raptors per se and they get Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam you might be better off with them healthy than you were with Kevin Durant and his streaky play and the Kyrie Irving stuff yeah so let's I not remember how bad he played in the playoffs last year I'm just saying the Nets are not going to fire Steve Nash and Sean Marks and an NBA team cannot really afford to give the Nets an offer that's actually adequate for a player like Kevin Durant. This is a really tough situation for Brooklyn. And if this were earlier in the calendar, I would say just fire Steve Nash and Sean Marks, but you can't do that at this point because we are in August, not June. So I think the best thing to do is just to hold out unless you just, unless you just get an incredible offer for Durant that you can't turn down. Otherwise just hold out and see what happens by the NBA trade deadline. Brent, you got anything else? No, I think, yeah, I'm good. All right, cool. 
Uh, let's transition to the NFL. The NFL preseason has begun. So let's go over some preseason stories. Brent, what has been your highlight moment of the preseason action so far? Um, I wouldn't say it's a highlight, but since I am high on the Jets, I'll mention the Zach Wilson scare kind of thing. It's turned out that it's just a bone bruise, really, and it should just be two to four weeks. So he should. There's a good chance he could be back for week one. So just a little scare there. But since I'm high on the Jets, I thought I'd bring it up. So you will, you do think he'll be back by week one? I do think he'll be back by week one. Yeah, I think he'll be fine in the long run. Um, non-contact injury, so obviously a little worrisome going into the season, considering he got hurt non-contact in a preseason game. But overall, I think he'll be back week one and he'll be ready to go and lead the Jets to this 7-10 and 10 season. All right, let's not forget to mention that Zach Wilson went three for five for 23 yards, but the backup, Mike White, <laughs> played, well, just played well as well. So we'll see what happens there. Roman, what you got? Ladies and gentlemen, Steeler football's back. Um, they had their first preseason game tonight against the Seattle Seahawks. And, of course, the biggest story heading into this was the um, three-way competition, if you will, a quarterback between Mitchell Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, and, of course, the rookie from Pittsburgh, drafted in the first round, 20th overall by the Steelers. That is, of course, Kenny Pickett. Trubisky made the start, and he looked very good. Um, his arm looked more than adequate. He had great touch on the football, was very accurate, and he showed a good bit of mobility as well. He only played two series. And then you have Mason Rudolph coming into the game, fumbles the ball on his first play, but luckily recovers it. And then he bounces back by throwing an absolute perfect dime to the second-round rookie from Georgia, George Pickens, a guy that I am very high on. I think George Pickens is an unbelievable talent, man. I think he's just a fantastic football player, a guy who would have been a lock for the first round if it weren't for injury or character concerns that he had throughout his time with Georgia. I can't name a thing other than route running that even Deontay Johnson can do better than George Pickens. I think George Pickens is a legit wide receiver one type of talent. I'm not saying that he's going to be that type of player on day one, but I think this is going to be a guy that makes an immediate impact for the Steelers offense. And the Steelers, as you know, are very good at drafting wide receivers. They've done it time and time again. Drafted Antonio Brown in the sixth round. Juju Smith-Schuster in the second round. Um, Deontay Johnson in the third round. Uh, they got Mike Wallace in the middle of the draft. Emmanuel Sanders. They recently drafted Chase Claypool in the second round. And now you got George Pickens in the second round. They also got Calvin Austin in the fourth round. This is a team that knows how to identify fantastic talents at the wide receiver position. They've done it time and time and time again. And George Pickens just looks to be, you know, that the next man up for that. As for Mason Rudolph, I mean, same old, same old. He looked good, but the issues that Mason Rudolph has are still very much there. He stands in the pocket for way too long, and he also makes really bad decisions. And then we got Kenny Pickett playing the entire second half, and he led the game-winning touchdown drive against Seattle for the Steelers to win it 32 to 25 defense for the Steelers did not look great but they basically had nobody out there no TJ Watt no Cam Hayward no Minka Fitzpatrick no Tyson Alualu they didn't even play Alex Highsmith the best player that they probably played was uh, Miles Jack and he only he only played like the first quarter at the most so yeah Steelers with a pretty good showing to open up the preseason with all three quarterbacks looking more than adequate but for me personally, I would still go with Trubisky 
at least to start out, because I think he is probably the most talented of the three quarterbacks, and he probably looked the sharpest overall. Yeah, I would agree with you there. And back to Pickens, like, he's got Terry McLaurin, Cortland Sutton body type with a little more muscle, and he's got the speed and the athletic ability to get it done. So I like your take on him. Uh, my favorite moment, which is probably the best moment of the preseason so far, I'm a little biased, but I think it is, was the Falcons doing something we haven't seen in a long time. Last night, the Atlanta Falcons were losing to the Detroit Lions in the last two minutes, and they actually won the game. I know it's just a preseason game, but for the Falcons to make a comeback like that is unbelievable. A fumble by David Plow on the Detroit 36-yard line set up a drive for the Falcons to try to win the game. Then they get down to fourth and nine on the Detroit 21, and I'm watching this game live, and I'm like, okay, just kick the field goal, tie it up. But no, it's the preseason, so they decide to go for it. Ritter rolls right as he is heavily rushed and then throws up a prayer to Jaron Bernhardt, who fights with this defender to get posi- good position. It was actually a better catch than a better throw, in my opinion, and he caught it. Falcons go up 27-23, stop the Detroit Lions from marching down the field, and they win the game. When I was watching this game, I was I was going crazy. I was going nuts because, like, I mean, I'm used to the Falcons either getting blown out or blowing leads every single time. I mean, last year I believe we were, like, 7-10. and 10. If we were, if we took, if we won the games where we were up in, we would have won over double digits. So I think that, you know, if seeing this made me really happy, and I know Drake London got hurt in a way, I think he should be back by week one, healthy, just as good as he was before this preseason game. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I like what we saw from Marcus Mariota as well. We saw him roll left and dive into the end zone for a uh, pylon touchdown. I thought that was good. And then Desmond Ritter showed that he can be a quality. QB2. Um, I don't like the prayer he threw up um, from a football standpoint. It was just a last-minute ditch effort to get a touchdown, but I think that he looks solid. He's got this running ability that, you know, we saw a little bit at Cincinnati, but he's got the size in order to do it, so I'm happy about him. Um, I think that, you know, we're set for the future with Drake London and Desmond Ritter. So, uh, yeah, that's going to cover uh, the NFL preseason stories. To it, finally, to end off the episode, we've got the last NFL division to cover today. Probably the best division in football, the AFC West. The Raiders, Broncos, Chargers, and Chiefs make up this division. I know we cannot wait to get into this, so let's just do it. Roman, what do you make of the Las Vegas Raiders this season? All right. The Raiders are a team that I'm very excited about. I have them finishing 11-6, and six, which is good for second in the AFC West and fifth in the AFC overall. Let's talk about this football team here real quick. We're going to start it off, of course, with the quarterback, Derek Carr, who is probably the worst quarterback in the division, but still a very good option of quarterback at that. And this Raiders team, to me, probably has the best like overall roster of any team in the AFC West. I think they're very good, you know, from top to bottom. And I like the hire of Josh McDaniels at head coach. This is a guy who's learned a lot and has gotten a lot more experience ever since his failure with the Broncos. Also a very good staff here with guys like Michael Nick Lombardi at offensive coordinator and Patrick Graham from the Giants at defensive coordinator. The rest of this team, of course, you have Devontae Adams, who has been the best receiver in football over the past two or three seasons. Obviously, phenomenal addition. Hunter Renfro is a, a another player that I really, really like. And Matt Collins, kind of got to watch out for. You also have Keelan Cole there, you know, as depth. Offensive line, pretty good with Colton Miller, who's been better than expected. John Simpson, Simpson, 
Andre James, Lester Cotton Jr., or Sr., rather, and Alex Leatherwood, one of the worst first-round picks in a long time, but he's been okay by all accounts so far. And Darren Waller, such a phenomenal player at tight end. We all know and love his story. And this defense is also pretty awesome, in my opinion, with Chandler Jones from the Cardinals. That's such a big-time addition. Jonathan Hankins, that nose tackle. Uh, Blau Nichols at defensive tackle. And Max Crosby, man, such a sick player. Mm-hmm. At the, on the other, you know, edge rusher there, Divine Diablo, another, you know, pick that a lot of people, you know, were not, you know, very high on, but he's turned out to be a good player. Denzel Perryman from the Chargers and the Panthers at inside linebacker, Trayvon Mullen at corner, along with Nate Hobbs and Rocky Sin, uh, Trayvon Merrick and Jonathan Abram make up your safeties. This is a tough, gritty football team. I'm a big fan of it. I think Derek Carr is going to function extremely well inside of this offense, Devontae Adams is such a massive addition and is going to make a huge difference, I think, for this Raiders offense. It was already fantastic last season, but I think the addition of Devontae Adams may make it a top-five unit in all of football. And, of course, Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs at running back. I mean, I think those are all the weapons that you need and Hunter Renfro supporting all that. I think it's phenomenal, and the defense is definitely going going to be improved with a player like Chandler Jones joining the team. So, yeah, I'm very high on the Raiders, and I have them being the top team in the wild card as a result. Roman, I agree with you on placement in the division and placement in the conference. I do think they'll finish second in the division as well as fifth in the conference. I, I do, however, think they'll finish 13-4 and four with three of their losses being to divisional teams and the one other being to the Rams. Um, I think you covered pretty much all the bases, but just going over my minimal knowledge of offensive football because I'm a fantasy guy and that's all I really know. Um, and I'm sorry, but they did pick up Devonte Adams this off season, which was a massive pickup for them um, to go with Hunter Renfro, who had a very, very good season last year. I believe I know he did, but I believe he had a really good season. Some people don't really think that um, to go with Derek Carr, who I agree with Roman is probably the worst quarterback in this division, but He's not bad, and with the system that he has going on with him, with Josh Jacobs at running back, Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams at wide receiver, and Darren Waller at tight end, he's pretty much set and has all the things he needs to succeed. So I'm not really worried about him um, bringing up the rear in the quarterback slot. He has, a, uh, my words here, an incredible offense and, I mean, a really good defense as well. So that gives them, for me, the nod as the best wild card spot at 13-4. and four. I will pick up. I have the Raiders finishing also 11 and 6. 6 in the conference, 4 and 2 in the division, 8 and 4 in the conference. I am also really high on this team. Um, they finished, I believe, 10 and 7 last year. So I fully expect them to improve by a game. Um, you saw Devontae Adams' comments about this team, or especially about Derek Carr. They have their connection um, in chemistry, but he also said that he could have been as good as Aaron Rodgers. I believe that's what he said. So that was obviously um, a very questionable quote, but to come from one of the best wide receivers we've seen in the last decade, I'm not going to doubt him. I think that Derek Carr has had his potential. A lot of people have been really high on him in the past, but his lack of having great receivers has led to um, people questioning that quote. I really like their running game as well. We saw how deep it can be in their first preseason game against the Jaguars. It's really solid. Josh Jacobs is one of the best pass best or pass catching backs in the league. Devontae Adams is a huge ad. Like Brent said, Hunter Renfro played well last year. And I think what's really the cornerstone of this offense is going to be Darren Waller. 
Aaron Waller had a really bad season last year when he was, you know, expected to be a top three tight end in football. He was definitely not. So if we can come out and see him, um, number one, stay healthy, but also have a really good season, I expect this to be one of the best wide receiving cores and offenses in entire football. Um, I think this defense is slept on as well. Roman, you hit on it um, better than I can. But adding Chandler Jones to an already um, pro bowler with Max Crosby, this is one of the best defensive lines in football. Then you've got the secondary. I think this is very underrated with Jonathan Abram and Rocky Sin from Temple. This is going to be a really solid team. And then, you know, a lot of people value special teams. I think this special team is really good. You've got a solidified great kicker in um, Daniel Carlson. So I really expect this team to be solid, 11-6, and six, um, which is actually tied for last in the division. That's how high I am on them. Um, but, yeah, that's where I've got them at. So we're going to move on to the Denver Broncos. Roman, what's your take on them? All right, the Broncos have been a team that for years and years and years that I have said that they are a quarterback away. They're a quarterback away. They finally have that quarterback, and they got a darn good one at that in Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson has been a guy who's been kind of scrutinized over the past year because he has just not been the same player in a year and a half. But I think you have to factor in a lot of things with that. Seattle was falling apart, you know, right in front of his eyes the offense that was surrounded around Russell Wilson just wasn't very good. The play calling was very bad. Pete Carroll's old school mentality was bringing the Seahawks down and is still bringing the Seahawks down. Why Seattle hasn't moved on from him yet, I don't know. But until then, Seattle is just going to be in a bad spot. But Russell Wilson doesn't have to worry about that anymore because he's with the Broncos in what I think is a great situation. You have Portland Sutton as your wide receiver one, and if he can stay healthy, he's going to be one of the better ones in the league. You know, top 20, top 15 receiver as your top option, I think that's very good. Jerry Judy, phenomenal route runner, probably already a top 10 route runner in football, but he has to fix up the drops. But I think he can do it because we've seen a lot of players, um, including Deontay Johnson and Devontae Adams, do it in the past. And I know you lost Tim Patrick for the year. That's really unfortunate, but I think K.J. Hamler is going to be more than adequate. To replace him offensive line is pretty awesome Garrett Bowles is one of the best tackles in football Dalton Reisner is a pretty good player at guard Lloyd Cushenberry at center Quinn Mi- Quinn Miners at right guard he was a player that a lot of people were very high on in last year's draft and Billy Turner is going is on the physically unable to perform list right now but he'll be back at right tackle at tight end it's going to be Albert Ibanam or Albert O as a lot of people like to say We don't know a lot about him. He's kind of a mystery, but he should be a pretty good player by all accounts. And this running game is going to be quite good, in my opinion. You have Javante Williams as your starting running back and Melvin Gordon backing him up. And when you factor Russell Wilson into that, it wouldn't Mm -hmm. shock me to see um, the Broncos as the best running team in football. I think they can be very good considering the running options that they have and the offensive line that they have to work with. Nathaniel Hackett has worked under Matt LaFleur for a couple of years now as Green Bay's quarterback coach. And I think he'll be quite a good play caller um, for them. Defense, very good as always. Draymond Jones at defensive end. DJ Jones at nose tackle. And Deshaun Williams on the other side of the edge. Also at defensive end, Randy Gregory is going to be on this team as well, along with Josie Jewell, uh, Jonas Griffith, and of course, Bradley Chubb, who is just a fantastic player. Moving on to the secondary, Pat Sertan, Quan Williams, and Ronald Darby make up the cornerback room. Kareem Jackson, and of course, Justin Simmons, maybe the best, you know, safety in football. He's definitely in that discussion alongside Minka Fitzpatrick 
and Jesse Bates. But Justin Simmons, a phenomenal player who the Broncos still have yet to give a long-term contract to. I don't know why, but they just haven't yet. Or actually, wait, no, I'm getting a mix-up with Justin with Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates is the one that hasn't gotten the contract yet. Justin Simmons has. But yeah, anyway, Justin Simmons, great player. Definitely the best player on this defense, in my opinion. Um, if I haven't said the record already, I have the Broncos at 11-6, and six, which is good enough for third in the AFC West and sixth overall in the AFC as the second-best wildcard team. Roman, I agree with you again. Um, I think that they will finish third in the AFC West and sixth in the AFC. I do, however, have them finishing one game higher than you at 12-5. and five. I do think that they, uh, they will lose one game to the Chargers as well as one to the Chiefs, one to the – well, two games to the Chargers, one to the Chiefs, one to the Rams, and one to the Raiders. So, But overall, this football team is really good. Um, getting Russell Wilson uh, is a little bittersweet for me because he's been with my favorite team for the past long, long seasons, and it was a really good time. But that time has sadly come to an end for me, and now I have to talk about him playing for another team. And I think the Broncos got a really good one. Russell Wilson in particular got a very much improved offensive line. He got some improved receivers probably for this year uh, with an aging Tyler Lockett and a kind of moody DK Metcalf. So he's looking pretty with the roster that he has to work with. I really think that this is Russell Wilson's comeback moment. Like Roman said, he uh, he kind of hasn't been the same player since he since a year and a half ago when he was kind of in the MVP conversation for the first half of the year before the struggles kind of started. But he is back, and he is going to be better than ever. I feel like he's going to lead the Broncos back to the playoffs. He, I think he is the player that the Broncos needed to push him over the edge just to go with it, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. And I think K.J. Hamler, you're right, will be a very uh, nice complement to this wide receiving group, and not to mention Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon in the running back room to make this offense very, very good. And the offensive line is much improved, which, you know, Russell Wilson could use that. So I have them again at 12 and five and sixth in the conference and third in the division. Brent, I'm right with you. Fifth in the conference, 12 and five record going 500 in the division, eight and four in the conference. And, you know, I, this team I am extremely high on. I want to blame a little bit of it on the fact that I went to a Denver Broncos training camp and for some reason, what, what they showed me just showed me that this team can be so promising with Russell Wilson. Russell is their cornerstone. He's a good voice. He exemplifies what it means to have a good work ethic. And I think that he just completes this team well, Roman. Like you said earlier, um, they're just a quarterback away from being a good team. Last year, they were stuck with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater and did not have a good season, went 7-10. and 10. But I'll remind you, Denver Broncos in the 2011 season went 8-8. Eight and eight. 500 and then what do you do you add Peyton Manning and they go 12 and 4 or no they went 13 and 3 rather so they improved by five games if the same thing happens this year with a good quarterback they will also improve by five games so I could expect that um, the only thing that I think will take this team away from a 12 and 5 record is losing more games in the division because they're going to have to play these each of these teams twice and I think that's the only reason that'll limit them I think 12 and 5 is their ceiling I think that's the highest they will go, but I really think they'll hit that um, and they'll finish at fifth in the conference. Um, and I really want to talk about this running game, especially y'all hit on it perfectly, but I think a lot of people are sleeping on Melvin Gordon. I think Melvin Gordon can sort of recapture what he had in, with the Los Angeles Chargers back in the day. To me, he looked better than Javante Williams at camp. 
I know it maybe could have been just a day one thing or, you know, one of the days that I went thing. But, I mean, his first play from scrimmage, he had like an 80-yard touchdown run. And then I, you know, I, I was talking to one of the Broncos fans. and I was like, hey, who do you think is going to start running back this year? And he's like, oh, Javante. Javante, definitely, no doubt. So in my mind, I'm like, this team could be so good because of the running game. And obviously, if Javante gets tired, Melvin Gordon's going to come in. So all of that pressure will be on the running game, which will allow Russell Wilson to get back to his old, old status of being able to be a really good dual threat quarterback. Um, you talk about their wide receiver room, very young wide receiver two and three who have been very injury prone, but I think this is the year where you're going to get it all together. Corlin Sutton has been always, always been solid for him. He just got his money, but he's, you know, had his dropping problems as well as Judy has. He has a huge frame. I don't know if you've seen him, but he's like six, five, 200 something pounds. He's a huge guy. And then this defense is solid. Patrick Sertan is one of the best, um, you know, young corners we have in the league. Bradley Chubb's also really good. So I really expect this team to be well-rounded and uh, go 12-5. and five. I think that's a pretty solid record for them. All right, yeah, I like that. I think we all like the Broncos by all accounts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, let's move on to the Chargers. I can't wait for this one. Oh, yes, the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> this is a, obviously a very exciting team, led by head coach Brandon Staley. By head coach Brandon Staley. The offensive coordinator there is Joe Lombardi. And – for the Chargers, this may be a shock to some people, but here it goes. I have the Chargers finishing 13-4, and four, good for first in the AFC West and second overall in the AFC. You cannot talk about the Chargers without talking about Justin Herbert, a quarterback. Such a phenomenal talent. And with all this you know, talent surrounding him, I think it's going to do nothing but help him flourish. Keenan Allen is your top receiver here. He's going to be playing the slot most of the time, but he can play both on the inside and the outside. He's been a top 10 receiver in football for years and years and years, at least in my opinion. Route running is phenomenal. Catching is phenomenal. There's nothing that you can't like about Keenan Allen. Mike Williams is maybe the best deep threat in in football. He's just been so good year after year after year. And Josh Palmer, your third starting wide receiver here, is also a pretty good player. Jalen mm-hmm. Guyton is another good player for depth. And this offensive line, I think, is very underrated. Rashawn Slater was a fantastic player in his rookie season. Matt Filer was a super underrated guy in Pittsburgh for a long time. And I'm glad he's finally getting his chance to start full-time with the Chargers. Corey Lindsay, Lindsley, one of the best centers in all of football, has been fantastic for two seasons now. Zion Johnson, rookie from Boston College, phenomenal addition. And the only real weak spot on this offensive line, if you want to call it that, at right tackle, is Trey Pimpkins third. Tight end group is very good with guys like Gerald Everett and Donald Parham. And moving on to the defense, also, you can't forget it, running back, the freaking video game glitch, Austin Eckler there. Um, Isaiah Spiller is also there for depth. At running back, Josh Kelly is also an option for L.A. And moving on to this defense, I think it's very good. Morgan Fox, a defensive end. Sebastian Joseph Day from the Rams. Austin Johnson from the Giants. Joey Bosa, of course, at edge rusher, is such a phenomenal player. Kenneth Murray Jr., an inside linebacker from Oklahoma. He's been kind of shaky, but hopefully he'll be okay um, this season, have his best season yet, perhaps. Drew Tranquil is your other inside linebacker. And Khalil Mack, who's such a massive addition. He hasn't been quite the elite edge rusher that he used to be, but he's still such a phenomenal player. And this cornerback room, just ridiculous with J.C. Jackson, Bryce Callahan from the Broncos, and Asante Samuel Jr., who was great 
in his rookie season with the Chargers last year and Nasir Adderley and Derwin James, who I already said was the best overall safety in football earlier in this episode. You have him as the best player on this defense. And considering all the great players on this defense, to have Derwin James as your best one is pretty impressive to me. Justin Herbert, in my eyes, is not the best quarterback in this division, but he's the elite, the only elite quarterback in this division that has elite talent surrounding him. And because of that, that to me is what separates the Chargers from the other three great teams in this AFC West division. I think the Chargers are the, te- are the team that's best poised to win this division, the best team that's, you know, that's poised, you know, to win in the regular season. Yeah, I just love the Chargers so much at this point. So, yeah. I know it's kind of a hot take to have the Chiefs last, which is what's unfortunately going to happen here. But, yeah, Chargers are the best team on paper in the AFC West, at least in my opinion. For me, Roman, and we're three for three now, I have the Chargers finishing first in the division and second in the conference. I do, however, again, have them finishing a game above you. I have them finishing 14-3 and with their three losses being to San Francisco – a loss to City, and a loss to Las Vegas. Um, so going in a little bit about this team, uh, and Roman hit the nail on the head as he always does with the with the breakdowns. I mean, Justin Herbert, I ranked him second on my top 10 quarterbacks list. So obviously, I'm very, very, very high on him. And he is only second to the team that finishes first in this conference, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. So I am very high on Justin Herbert, I think he has a better year than he had first and second. And like Roman said, the offense around him really helps him out here. Excuse me. He has Austin Eckler at running back as well as Stokes and Kelly. Like Roman mentioned, a pretty good running back room. But assuming that Eckler takes the duties from there, that is not a bad position to be in at all. One of the best running backs in football. Going to the wide receiver group, he does have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Palmer, who will make up the three. But – I think you say is gl- 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 how do you say Jalen Guyton. Gl- he had a really good two game stretch. I know it's not really a stretch, but two really good games towards the latter end of the season when some of the wide receivers were out. Um, that really showed some promise for him. So I think that he is a good option if one of these guys does end up getting hurt that nobody really talks about. And then you do have Gerald Everett, who is kind of eh. But he is still a good tight end to add to this offense that I think that if called upon, he can help make do. And like Roman said, they have a very good defense, uh, underrated in my opinion. But overall, and Roman, you said it was maybe a hot take, but I think they're 14-3, and and they're honestly probably my favorite team in the league this year, besides maybe the Minnesota Vikings. Um, So these guys, I'm really high on the Chargers, and I think that the sky's the limit for this team, especially in the regular season. Just like the Broncos, I have the Chargers improving by five games this year. Uh, oh, actually, no, I did my math wrong. Four games this year. They finished 13-4 and after a 9-8 and last season. Second in the conference, first in the division, 4-2 and in the division. I have them losing one game to the Broncos, one game to the Raiders, and the other losses are going to be to the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. That's how high I am on this team. Those are obviously really good teams that they're losing to. I really like what they had last year. They were so close to making the playoffs. They lost to the Raiders, um, I believe, on a last-second field goal last year. But you've got the wide receivers in this room, and I think that's something y'all touched on really well. But you can't give it enough credit. Keenan Allen is one of the most underrated wide receivers, in my opinion, of all time. He is so fantastic. Mike Williams is a young guy. 
we've seen how good he can be when he's hot. I mean, we saw him have five or six touchdowns in the first three games last season. He looked like he could finish wide receiver one through five um, when you looked at it, or at least at fantasy points at the end of the season. He's so good. If you can have a consistent and healthy Keenan Allen and Mike Williams all season, you the sky is the limit for them. Josh Palmer, in my opinion, is very underrated, the guy out of Tennessee. He's one of the best wide receivers in football. I think you've got to put him up there with Tyler Boyd in that conversation. And then Austin Eckler, man, he is – you know, a guy that's also been underrated. In my opinion, he is one of the probably – he's definitely top two uh, pass-catching backs in all of football. He's also one of the best runners in football, too. He is the total package, top five fantasy choice this year. And you can't say enough about Justin Herbert. Him and Tua Tagovailoa were drafted in the same draft class, I think, one pick apart. And you've seen how good Justin Herbert can be, how much better he can be than Tua. Um, he's got the NFL body. He's got sort of – we talked about him earlier, like a Peyton Manning-type body. Just very lean. He's very tall. Yes, the hair is also, you know, an added bonus for that. Um, But this offense is going to be one of the best offenses in football. You had Jared Cook last year at tight end. I think Gerald Everett is going to be really good this year. He's going to be better than Jared Cook was last year. And I think that he's a guy that's going to be very underrated. They really relied on um, wide receiver one and two, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams in the red zone. But adding Gerald Everett gives you another great option um, when it comes down to the 20-yard line and in. So I could expect big things from them. And, you know, you can't talk enough about Khalil Mack being added to this defense. Um, when he was with the Bears a couple years ago, he was, you know, undoubtedly the best linebacker in football or one of the best rushing linemen in football. They can line up up on the line or put him in coverage. It doesn't matter. If it wasn't for injuries, he'd be, you know, valued a lot more on this team. But I think anyone – Overall, sleeping on this Chargers team is going to be in for a rude awakening. I think this team, as I said, the sky's the limit, and we could see them in the AFC Championship. So I think this team is scary, and uh, it's young too, which is a cool thing to me because a team that's this young is and this promising is something that we haven't seen since last year um, in the back half of the season with the Bengals. So I am I am more I'm as excited as anyone when it comes to Los Angeles. Yeah, Khalil Mack would be classified as an edge rusher. That's what Khalil Mack is. Okay, gotcha. He's not, he's not a linebacker. Gotcha. It has him as linebacker on uh, ESPN, so I guess you can kind of call him a hybrid if you want to. Um, no, Roman. No, he's an edge rusher. That's what he is. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Well, ESPN has him as that, so I don't know. You can say whatever you want. Uh, he's still a really good football player. Uh, so, Roman, to round out this division, you got the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you got on them? Well, I kind of spoiled it earlier. But unfortunately, with how stacked this division is, I have no choice but to place Kansas City last in this division at 10-7, and which is good, obviously, for fourth in the AFC West and eighth overall in the Mm. AFC. So they are the last team out for me for the playoffs. They just missed the playoffs. You Mm. have Patrick Mahomes, you have Andy Reid, and you have Travis Kelsey. I understand that. But to me... This team in the offseason lost more than what he gained. I think Tyreek Hill was such a big component of this offense. He did so much more than just speed away from the defenders. The amount of attention that he attracted, I think, was very significant. And losing that, I think, just automatically depletes this offense from an elite one to a very good one. And this very good offense is still the best part of this team, in my opinion. Obviously, Mahomes, best quarterback in football. Not much needs to be said there. Your receiving core is Marquez Valdez-Scandling. Nicole Hartman and Juju Smith-Schuster from the Steelers. No one there is really a high-caliber wideout, at least in my opinion. 
it looks like Smith Schuster is going to have to be wide receiver one here, and he has just not flourished in that role as we've seen in the past. Um, Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, and Andrew Wiley make up your offensive line. It's a pretty good unit. Should do very well again this season. Clyde Edwards-Alaire at running back. I think he's overrated. I'm not a big fan of him. Mm-hmm. Just, just not. Going back to the receiver room, Sky Moore is also a really interesting rookie for them. If he breaks out, maybe the Chiefs can you know, be a bit higher than this, but that still has yet to be seen. And I already said Travis Kelsey, second best tight end in football, in my opinion. I just think that George Kittle does the, you know, the, the smaller things better than Kelsey, but that's just me. And Blake Bell is a pretty good backup for Kelsey whenever he needs to take some reps. Michael Burton is a good fullback, and he needs to be mentioned as well. And this defense, man, there's just not a lot to it, in my opinion. It's a, it, They're good. These are all good football players. But there's just not enough star power on this defense for me. George Karloftis is a really good pick for them um, from Purdue. Derek Nadi is your other defensive tackle. Chris Jones is the best defensive tackle in football, other than Aaron Donald, in my opinion. Well, I don't know. Cam Hayward may be slightly above Chris Jones. Um, But that's kind of a debate that for another day. Frank Clark off the edge there is a good player. Willie Gay and Nick Bolton from Missouri, who I was a big fan of coming out um, of Mizzou. Once again, that he has yet to, you know, really show that so far. Hopefully he improves. Elijah Lee is your other linebacker there. And going back to the corners, Rashad Fenton, Legarius Sneed, and Trent McDuffie from Washington, who's a really good player. I'm excited to see what he does. And finishing this out is Juan Thornhill and Justin Reed uh, from the Texans. I mean, you have the best quarterback in the NFL. You have the best play caller in the game. And you have the second best tight end, um, who some people like to call the best tight end. But outside of that, there's just not a lot to this roster. It's, you know, a less, you know, exaggerated version of the Los Angeles Angels where you where you have, you know, the superstar talent, but just not enough to support it. Now, if this is the NFL and not the MLB, so they're still going to have more, you know, than enough of a winning record there at 10 and 7, just missing out on the playoffs. Unfortunately, the AFC is just a little bit too stacked. This would be a playoff team in most years, but, you know, just because of the nature of, you know, this year heading in, I just can't justify putting the Chiefs in, unfortunately. Well, for me, Roman, we finally break our streak of togetherness, I guess. I I do have them finishing fourth in the division, but I do have them sneaking into the playoffs, making all four of the AFC West teams make the playoffs for me. I have them finishing 11-6. and one game ahead of you. The losses I gave them was in week two to the Chargers. I also have them losing to the Raiders, the Bills, the Rams, the Bengals, and the Broncos in week 17. Um, Looking at this offense a little more, for me, obviously you have Patrick Mahomes, and I feel like we're talking about this team a little more seldomly. They're still a really good football team, but just because we're considering them the worst in this conference makes it a little – sad I guess they're still really good and I still have them sneaking into the playoffs and Patrick Mahomes is still one of the best quarterbacks in football so that of course helps them out running back wise Clyde Edwards Hilaire I agree Um, he's overrated for sure they do have Ronald Jones to back him up who I think could end up being a better running back one option if Edwards Hilaire ends up getting hurt because we saw flashes of him being good last year and a rookie that you didn't mention that I think has a chance to maybe have a decent season and put on people on the radar. Isaiah Pinchio, I think is how you pronounce his last name, is a rookie that I would keep an eye on as far as running backs go. Uh, wide receiver, 
they room. They pretty much got a whole remodel when it comes to wide receivers this year. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who is a decent option as wide receiver one, you'd obviously rather have Tyree Kill there. But at the end of the day, they don't, and Juju will probably take over those the reins as wide receiver one. Sky Moore is an interesting rookie who we will get to see a lot of probably this season. If he plays good, like Roman said, that could ultimately be what helps them have a more promising season. But we'll have to see with him. Um, McCole Hardman and Mally's, uh, Marquise Valling-Scantling um, kind of help round out this top wide receiver room, uh, wide receiver three and four right there. But then someone who is down on the depth chart that kind of just catches my eye a little bit, um, who hasn't really played in a minute, and I don't know if you guys know where I'm going with this, but Josh Gordon I feel like is the name to keep an <laughs> eye on just for, just for this specific season that the Chiefs are having. They're going through a lot of change wide receiver-wise. This is a pretty much an entirely new group with the exception of Hardman, I believe. I think – wasn't he here last year? Yeah, Yeah, he's been um, there for a while. Hardman's been with the Chiefs' career. Yeah, so besides Hardman, this is pretty much – this is really an entire new wide receiver room. So I think maybe tampering with Josh Gordon and seeing kind of what you can get out of him is an option, especially if some of these running, some of these wide receivers don't really work out or somebody gets hurt. So that's someone to keep an eye on because in his prime, he was pretty darn good. So I think that there's an option there. And then, of course, Travis Kelsey, who is, if not the best tight end in football, at least top three for sure. So you have him always um, helping get some reps in. I do agree with Roman. I think that George Kittle does the little things better. But at the end of the day, I think Travis Kelsey is still the better tight end. Um, but overall, I think this football team is still really good. They'll make some noise. They'll beat some good teams. Uh, but they will be seventh in the last wild card spot for me at 11 and six. Um, and probably lo- losing in the first round of the wild card, pro- almost for sure. But still a really good team. Still deserves to be talked about. Just sadly for them, they're in the best division in football. And you can't really do anything about that, especially when you lose in the offseason and not win. Brent, I'm right with you. They sneak into the playoffs at the seventh spot. Eleven and six is their overall record. Unlike y'all, I have them one and five in the division. The only game I have them winning, I believe, is one game against the Raiders, and that is it. And it's strictly because this division is so good. They've said it time and time again, and it probably sounds like a broken record. But the only reason this sounds bad is because they are in the AFC West. This is a good football team. In the NFC, it would potentially be a 12-13 win team. That's because the AFC is so much better than them. And I really want to talk about Tyree Kill. Um, A couple years ago when Tyreek and Patrick Mahomes started to come on, this was really good chemistry. They grew together. They won a championship together. They made it back to the Super Bowl together. And they obviously, you know, out of wide receivers and quarterbacks, one of the best chemistry we've seen. And it's obviously so hard to throw to Tyree Kill because of how fast he is. And that's something that Patrick Mahomes knew how to do. Um, last year they were three and four to start off the season. Everybody was getting scared, but then they went on an eight win win streak. And in those eight games, Tyree kill acclimated 74 of those targets. That is a very high number, very high number. So losing that is going to hurt Patrick Mahomes. In my opinion, that's why they take it. They go a game down, which really, I think that's a gift for what they lost. Losing Tyree kill is, you know, to say that's a huge loss is an understatement. He's that good of a player. Um, so we'll see what happens there with him in Miami um, and how Tua can fare with him. But I think if it, if Tua and uh, Tyreek have a you know a hard connection for the first couple of games, that'll just show how much Patrick Mahomes really misses him. Um, the wide receiving core, y'all touched on it a lot. Um, wide receiver two is MVS. I think this is very an underrated guy moving into the season. 
if he can work on his hands, he is, you know, one of the fastest guys in the league. He can make that work. Really, the speed of this offense is really what's going to hurt people. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has his speed. McCall Hardman is probably a top three player with speed in the league. He was just very undershadowed um, under Tyreek Hill. So I think that we could see him break out as well. This is not a bad wide receiving core. It's really not. Um, you've got Sky Moore. Western Michigan wideouts don't usually turn out um, the way you want them to, like Corey Davis. Um, they, sh- they can shine for a little bit, but, uh, you know, like Corey, didn't turn out very well. Um, so we'll see what happens. Ty- Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in, the football, in football, in my opinion. George Kittle is a better blocker, but Travis Kelsey surpasses him when it comes to route running um, and hands. Um, this defense looks practically the same. You've got Justin Reed in the secondary. You've also got Frank Clark and Nick Bolton um, as your linebacker and defensive front. I think this team could be really good, but as Roman said, ultimately they lost more than they gained, and I think that's going to hurt, especially when you've got um, you know, the Raiders adding Devontae Adams and the Broncos adding Russell Wilson um, and the you know Chargers adding Cleo Mack. So this, this division is so stacked. I really thought we would have different answers on this, but I think it's cool that we don't. All of our records are within one game of each other, which is really cool when this division is that good. Um, so I'm glad we're all high on them. Um, but as we wrap up this division, now we're going to go into our playoff predictions, not necessarily who's going to win each game in the AFC and NFC, but just where we've got them ranked. I know that we've changed them over the course of the last two months that we've been doing this. So Roman, Brent, Start with you, Roman. Give me your one through seven of the AFC. Do you want me to start with one or seven? I say you start. Uh, you pick. Surprise us. All right. I'll, I'll start with seven. I'll start with seven. Okay. So my seventh seed in the AFC, finishing second in the AFC North via tiebreaker, is the Cincinnati Bengals at 11 and six. My sixth seed in the AFC, as I just revealed, finishing third in the AFC West is the Denver Broncos. My fifth seed in the AFC, as I already just said once again, finishing second in the AFC West, is the Las Vegas Raiders. My number four seed, the champions of the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans at 10-7. My third seed, winning the AFC North via tiebreaker, um, the Steelers at 11-6. Steelers winning, going 5-1 in the division, Bengals going 4-2. That's the difference there. I do view Cincinnati as the better team. Um, at second seed, I have the Chargers at 13 and four, of course, winning the AFC West and the first seed goes to the Buffalo Bills, the AFC East champions at 14 and three. Uh, question real quick before I go, what do you guys know? What, uh, what, what divisions I missed while I was gone? What divisions did you do? Oh, because I was Uh, going to go. We definitely did AFC South. Okay, we definitely did NFC East. Yeah, AFC South, NFC East, AFC East, and I believe AFC South. So I just missed the AFC South and the AFC East as far as this as far as this conference is. Yes. Okay. So wait, I didn't miss the East. I did. I did the. I did the Bills division. I think. So I think you did the Bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. I, I think I just missed the South. So. I'll just say the South, and then I'll go through my the re- my top seven. Uh, South for me, Houston finishes last in the league at zero and seventeen. Um, yeah, yeah, terrible football team in my opinion. Uh, third in the division, Jacksonville Jaguars finished five and twelve. Um, they finished fourteenth in the conference. For me, the ten seed finishing nine and eight in the conference, and just in a great and in a great conference, missing out on the playoffs 
is the Tennessee Titans at nine and eight. And then going into my top seven, I have uh, the Kansas City Chiefs finishing at 11 and six, good enough for seventh. Denver will finish 12 and five and get the six. The Raiders finished 13 and four and grabbed the five. The Indianapolis Colts finished 10 and seven and grabbed the four seed due to the uh, division leaders top seed rule. Uh, my third seed is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals at 13 and four. I have the Chargers at 14 and three taking the two, and the Buffalo Bills at 15 and two taking the one. <coughs> All right, to talk about this AFC, I originally had the Baltimore Ravens in there at 12 and five. That was a mistake. I moved them down to 10 and seven. They grabbed the eight. They barely miss. Seven is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs tying with the Raiders, um, but the Raiders ultimately get the nod at six. They're both 11 and six. Denver Broncos, Broncos 12 and five. So three AFC West teams round out the five, six, and seven. My four is the 11 and six Indianapolis Colts. My three is the 12 and five Cincinnati Bengals. My two is the 13 and four uh, Los Angeles Chargers. And to get the one spot, 14 and three. Buffalo Bills like we all have. All right, Roman, let's hear the NFC. Wait, Jake, before we get to that, quick question. What two games do you have the Ravens dropping now? It gives them the seven losses. Ooh, I don't remember what they were, to be honest with you. Um, some notable games that they lose on the road at New England. Um, let's see. On the road at Tampa. On the road at New Orleans. On the road at Pitt and Cleveland. And on the road at Cincinnati. So I, I think I added a couple games in the division. Ooh, oh, they're going to sweep the Steelers. Whoa. <laughs> Doesn't that move the Steelers to 10 and 7 then for you? Let me because... check. Steelers are <laughs> at 9 and 8. Wait, how? They were 9 and 8 when the Ravens swept them originally. Well, then I didn't add the Steelers, I don't think. Then they, they must have swept, the, they must have split with the Steelers anyways. I don't know exactly who I added. I'm not sure. I, I know I've changed it up one or two times. So, okay, whatever. All right. <laughs> Go NFC. ahead. NFC, my seventh seed via tiebreaker is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles finishing second in the eight in the um, NFC East at nine and eight. It is notable that the Vikings also finished nine and eight, but they lose that tiebreaker and they are eighth as a result. Um, sixth, finishing third in the NFC West is going to be the Arizona Cardinals at 10 and seven. Fifth. Um, finishing second in the NFC West is going to be the San Francisco 49ers at 14 and three. Um, the Cowboys at, as the fourth seed, the NFC East champions also at nine and eight, but they win that tiebreaker with Philly due to the better division record. Third seed is going to be the Packers NFC North champions at 14 and three. The Rams finished 14 and three sec, um, second in the NFC NFC West champions. But it, I do view the 49ers as the better team in that division. And the Buccaneers finish as the first seed, NFC South champions at 15 and 2. Okay, so I missed the East and did I miss the South or just the East? Yes, both of those. Both of them. Okay, so just quick recap on them to catch me up. I had the Panthers finishing at 3 and 13. I have the Falcons finishing at 4 and 13. I have the Saints finishing at 5 and 12. And then I'll get into the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers in a minute. I have Washington finishing five and twelve, and the New York Giants finishing six and eleven, and then I'll get into the other two in a minute because they are part of my top seven. So seven, I have the San Francisco 49ers slipping in at nine and eight. The six will be the Philadelphia Eagles at ten and seven. My five is going to be the Detroit Lions, who I am very high on as oh well. Oh my goodness! At twelve and five. 
Oh. Me, the four seed is Dallas at 11 and 6. The three is oh. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 12 and 5. And Minnesota takes the two at 12 and 5 as well. And number one is the Los Angeles Rams at 14 and 3. Brent, didn't you originally have the Packers winning the division over the Vikings? No. Yeah, no, you did. Never. The Packers were nine and eight. I but mean, eight and nine. It in the in the in the podcast where we did the North, you had I think you had the Packers at eleven and six, winning the division. We'll have to go back and see, I guess. But I don't. Think I feel I like did. me and Brent agreed on that. I don't know if he I did. Think, I definitely, I definitely had the Vikings winning the division. I have, I love the Vikings, but and, I'll, I'll and also, go back and check. hey. We're both in the Saints five and twelve gang. That's nice. Oh, you are too. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I love y'all, it. y'all are wilding for that one. New Orleans is my seventh seed. Hurt, man. New Orleans is my seventh seed at ten and seven. Y'all are crazy. They're going to win more than five games. San Francisco is the six at ten and seven. Um, so they got a tiebreaker there. Green Bay at the five, eleven and six. So maybe that's what you're referencing, Roman. I have them eleven and six. Philadelphia Eagles at ten and seven. They win the NFC East. Then you've got the. Minnesota Vikings at 12 and 5. They win the NFC North. Then you've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 13 and 4 with the tiebreaker with the Los Angeles Rams also at 13 and 4. Um, so, you know, predictions all around the board for this one for all of us. I can't explain what made me put Detroit at 12 and 5. I really That's don't ridiculous. Know. But I'm That's crazy. Stick with it. I don't know what I was doing that day when I thought that Detroit would be 12 and five. I don't know if there's any way, but I'm going to lay my foot down. Detroit finishes 12 and five and gets the five seed. Let's go. I'm on well, St. Brown. is going to carry that. Brent, you're going you're gonna to put the Detroit Lions at 12 and five, yet you're going to slam me for putting the Steelers at 11 and six. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Detroit is better than the Steelers. No, they're not. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> In what way? In every way, they finished twelve and five, and the Steelers finished three and fourteen. I think that's a pretty distinct difference. You're capping no one else with that has one. That. The only the only games I have them losing, I have okay. So in my thing, I have them losing to the Vikings, the Cowboys, the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Packers. That is it. I have them actually beating the Vikings once, which is wild to me. I really don't know what I was thinking when I did this, but I'm going to stick with it. If I went back and changed it, they might not – they probably definitely wouldn't be in here. But no. I did it, and I'm going to no. keep it. I'm what gonna are the Packers it. at? What are the Packers at? No. Eight and nine. Oh, my, my man. <laughs> I'm going to keep it. So, Dude, you're crazy. My goodness. Uh, I have if a line eight and nine just for reference. So I, I have like six and eleven, two, but not that much. I j- Listen, there there is a time to be crazy and there's a time to be serious. Why not be crazy when it comes to that? Why not? These are our official NFL playoff predictions. This is a big deal, Brett. Come on, they are like, our like these, official... these are gonna st- these are gonna stick with our reputation for the rest of the year. <laughs> That's okay. If the but think about it, what would happen if the Detroit Lions finished twelve and five? You know how I will never say anything against you ever. Exactly. And what what happens if they finish like six and eleven? Then we're just like, it, oh, Brent's dumb. Like what? It, like what's if, the issue there? If if Detroit had something better than Jared Goff, I might be able to buy into that. No, their defense yes. is not that good. Yes, they were like yes. three thirteen and one last year. So we're no. all they need is Jared Goff to play the Rams football that he played before he got traded. He was that, that's that why they happened. traded him because he wasn't good. They traded him for Matthew Stafford. No. Also, <laughs> the, the Lions are 
the Lions have a have a better roster than they did last year, though. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, but... I'm on Ron St. Brown could be a top receiver in football. Whoa. Well, okay. if, oh, not my gosh. Best, not top 10, but, like, top 15. You're crazy. If they go 12-5, and five, dude, I'm going to be so shocked, but we'll see. We'll pull out the receipts by the end of uh, February. But as we wrap I'm up this episode, crazy. Roman, what you got? What was the week looking like? What was the, the highlights of it? Well, I kind of alluded to this already last week, but uh, my younger siblings started their um, journeys at school last week. My brother going into his eighth grade year and my sister on Wednesday started kindergarten. So that's fun. But for me, it was just more of the same since my summer is still pretty much going. I've got another week before I start my classes um, for college and all that. First day of classes, August 22nd, like I already said in the last episode, whoop, whoop for that. So, yeah, I'm just, you know, chilling, waiting around for that. Don't got much going on right now, but, you know, just getting a couple things in the mail about, you know, the college leading up. I got my parking pass the other day, so I'm going to have to, you know, sort through that and figure that out. But, yeah, you know, I've just been chilling, watching sports, doing this podcast with y'all. I mean, just having a good time until school starts for me. Question. Uh, for the viewers at home, what is your major? What are you looking to study in in college? I am I'm studying in broadcast journalism. Sick. So what is what does that program look like? Um, well, you know, I'm I'm going to be you know studying. You know, it it's kind it's like in the journalism like field, but broadcast journalism puts more of an emphasis on like TV reporting and things along those lines. There is a sports media major. But that, you know, is more to do with like social media and working for teams and things along those lines. I want to work for like a publication or a TV network or something like that one day. So that's why I chose the broadcast journalism major, because it's a, it's a journalism major with an emphasis on like broadcast television, like TV reporting and things like that. So cool. Cool. Brent, what's up? Uh, so pretty down low week, just finished the first week of senior year. So that was fun. I had a blast. Uh, really awesome week uh, school-wise. Um, and just getting ready, I guess, we actually, we have our first quote-unquote race next week for cross-country. So getting ready for that, excited to uh, finally get to show the work that I've been putting in for the season. So that's pretty much all I've got uh, since we kind of did it at the beginning of the week as well. So not very, not very busy, just, you know, enjoyed the first week of school and got ready, getting ready for cross-country season to actually start so is your race on saturday uh yeah it is saturday morning so are you locked in on compensating uh yes i am okay cool uh that's a plug for that you're welcome we're going to be compensating against nus on hs tiger life on friday night so check that out um but this past week was good for me first game without um, roman yeah i know it's going to be different but uh we're actually for the fans at home and for roman we're adding a pre-game show about an hour till kickoff we're going to be on the field uh talking about some matchups talking about last season all that we've also got a uh broadcast room camera so they're going to be able to pull us up sometime that's pretty sick mm-hmm. um, but i can't wait for it but this past week was good preparing for the game was one of the highlights of the week um, but also me and brent learned that we're going to be general managers for our tv production class which is a big responsibility but also at the same time it's going to be a lot of fun um, I cannot wait to leave the class. I think that's going to be a new opportunity. 
um, to allow us to get our face out there, but also just display the hard work um, that we've done and show that, you know, hard work leads to stuff like this. So that's what I hope to uh, be able to teach everybody. Um, but overall, this week was good. Had church on Wednesday. Uh, talked about worry and anxiety, which is always a good good reminder, especially as we uh, get back into school. Um, tomorrow is promotion Sunday at church. So the rising eighth graders are going to be there. Um, everybody always wears suits. So that's going to be fun. Um, so I cannot wait for that as well. Um, so y'all have anything else on the uh, 15 episode? Um, Jake, Brent, congratulations on getting the general manager role in TV production. But if, if the roles in that class go anything um, like they did last year, I don't know how much longer that GM authority is really going to, you know, remain in place. Because hey man, we're gonna change no, the script, okay? No, knowing that TV <laughs> production class, things fall apart very quickly. So, uh, good luck. Hey with man. <laughs> well, just think about who was the uh, general manager last year. So I think we should beat that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I we'll see how it goes. <laughs> no name's gonna be said. Well, 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 I won't, but you guys will. We're, oh we're yeah, excited. Yeah, I'm pumped. But uh, thank you for listening to the 15th episode of Minute Hoodies. We hope you enjoyed the NFL division predictions. Next week, we will bring you our NFL playoff predictions, so come back to see who we've got winning the Super Bowl. Share the word about our podcast with others, and while you're at it, tell them we're available on Spotify, Apple, and Anchor. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Hoodie up, everybody. The water chose me.